0: This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. LinkedIn Presents Welcome to another episode of Press 1 for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way.
1: Welcome to the Press 1 for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Glimsdahl. My guest this week is Tim Kite. Tim is the CEO of Focus 3. In addition, he's also a speaker, writer, and coach. Tim, welcome to the Press 1 for Nick podcast.
0: Nick, thanks for having me. This is uh, I'm looking forward to this.
1: So I ask every single guest, Tim, one question at the very beginning. And the first question is, what's one thing people might not know about you?
0: Ooh, that's an interesting question. Gosh, what would I choose? From? I, how about Just what's popped into my head, I guess, because the Olympics are on. But I was the high school national champion in the 330 intermediate hurdles in 1971. So that, that's
1: probably something people don't know about me. That's quite impressive. That is, that is a feat in and of itself is to run around the track is hard enough let alone jumping hurdles and getting that lactic acid to, to kick in about uh, halfway through that race
0: that yeah, was it was uh, a track and field and football were my sports in high school and and uh, I love track it was a
1: great sport still is I don't I don't run obviously anymore but it was great back then that's great well I mentioned that you you run you're the CEO of focus three tell me a little bit more about that
0: yeah, we, you know, I started the company, Nick, in San Diego uh, many years ago. I've been doing this almost 40 years and we're called Focus 3 because the three things we help clients do is develop leaders, strengthen culture, and empower people. Those are the three things we do, leadership, culture, and then the behavior of people. And what we've discovered is when those three disciplines align, an organization, a team, a company can achieve greatness and all are necessary. We believe that leaders create the culture that drives the behavior, that produces results. And we put our stake in the ground around those three disciplines many, many years ago, and that is our passion. That's our everyday work help organizations develop leaders, strengthen their culture, and and
1: build behavioral discipline in people. I love that. I love the three pillars. Uh, Let's start on the second one. What does culture mean to you? So, our definition
0: of culture is what people believe, how they behave, and the outcomes that their behavior produces. That culture is not, and and we like to say this, you don't get the culture you proclaim, you get the culture you practice, promote, and permit. Every organization in the world, I mean, almost everyone has a statement of core values, something on paper, which is necessary. But we believe that there are three steps to culture building, and that is paper, head, heart. That you, you put it on paper to clarify it. You then communicate it so people can understand it conceptually. And then you've got to coach it so that it goes from the head to the heart. And we also have discovered there's a profound difference between a concept in someone's head and a belief on someone's heart. And by that definition, and and then paper, head, heart, that journey, the biggest distance, Nick, the big jump, the hardest step is from head to heart. And and the reason why is because what goes on your heart is something you decide. I can't believe for you. You can't believe for me. And I, I've learned in four decades of culture development, culture consulting work, that asking someone to believe in a set of beliefs and behavioral standards, that's a very personal ask. That's a very deep personal thing. I can, you know, conceptually, I can certainly agree with lots of principles, but belief at the heart level, that, that, that's another step. And, and so, the, 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 the culture for us, we believe the definition is what people believe at the heart level how they behave because behavior always proceeds from belief and then the outcomes that behavior produces. That's our definition of culture.
1: Does that resonate? Man, paper head heart. It resonates more than, more than, you know, I mean, the, the biggest riff that I have in customer service or customer experience too, let alone uh, business, businesses, visions, mission statements is they have them on the wall they write them off. They put them down. They maybe review them once a year, but it doesn't go to the head and it doesn't go to the heart. Yeah. And where is that disconnect for more so most organizations? And I mean obviously you can't just pinpoint in general here's where all the disconnect is, but is there something to to point out on why people don't go to that next the second step into that third step?
0: I think so. What I've noticed is that leadership puts a team together. They come up with a Pulitzer Prize-winning statement. You know, they they debate and they 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 come up with stuff and 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 graphics and marketing and corporate communication gets a hold of it. And by the way, none of that is wrong. None of that is bad. it's not. But the problem is, it's necessary step but insufficient. Right. And and so once it goes on the wall, once it goes on a piece of paper, once it goes in a written form, that's when the real work begins. And I think this the first step, the the, the first misstep, the first mistake, if I would, is that, and this is fundamental to leadership. And here's another focus three principle from a leadership perspective. If it's not happening in you, it's not going to happen through you. In other words, if it's not on a leader's heart, then it's not probably going to get on the heart of the people that those leaders lead. And, And when I say leadership too, I don't mean just the people at the top, but I mean people who lead a small team, the supervisors, the frontline leaders, the managers out there that are doing the everyday work of making sure that people execute. Those are the leaders who have to constantly communicate and coach the culture. And then tie the culture, belief, behavior, to strategic and operational disciplines every day. Because culture's job is to create the behavior that wins. That's culture's job. Or say it another way, culture's job is to create and sustain the behavior called for by strategy. And that means if you ask for behavior in your strategy that is not supported by your culture, you're going to struggle to execute. You know, for example, in in the world of, of, of customer experience, customer service, every company, of course, wants elite, exceptional customer service. Of course they do. And in their strategic stuff in their strategic statements and their plans, they talk about and ask for commitments to customer service. And then there's probably something in the culture statement about customer focus and managing the customer experience. Well, if, if the everyday frontline leaders are not talking about manifesting, demonstrating, promoting, practicing, pouring their heart into, hey, we believe this about the customer. We believe this about our behavior, serving the customer, and this is how we execute our strategy. If that's not happening, if the frontline leaders are constantly talking about reinforcing, promoting that culture, like I said, clarify, communicate, coach, clarify, communicate, coach every single day. You can't get a culture you don't talk about. That's what that's what I'm seeing as the big gap.
1: In the conversation that we had prior as we were prepping for this call, you said something pretty profound as we were kind of riffing back and forth on culture and and customer experience, you said culture drives behavior, behavior drives CX. And how you just said what at the end of that conversation right there was you need to communicate that daily. The problem is most organizations from my perspective, look at it from a quarterly business review and they say, I need to meet with this person one-on-one. I mean, need to meet with my group and we need to have an overall company strategy, but they don't necessarily... Communicate it daily.
0: I've noticed that the truly elite organizations have a passionate commitment to having regular culture conversations. I call it a cadence of communication. And when we teach leadership, we teach leadership for culture, we teach leadership for culture, for customer service behavior, any other behavior, safety, sales, all the things we commit to. You've got to talk about and reinforce and have conversations, tell stories about the culture on a regular basis. And and part of it, Nick, is this vision, this understanding of what culture is. If people understand that culture's job is to create necessary behaviors, customer service behavior, if we understand that's culture's job and you really understand and believe that, you're going to talk about culture every day. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that culture's job is to generate and energize that kind of behavior, then you're not going to talk about it all the time. And I think it goes down, again, if it's on your heart as a leader, as a supervisor, as a manager, then you're going to talk about it. You're going to describe it. And you're going, to, you're going to tell stories. And you're also going to call it out when you don't see it. You're going to hold people accountable to behavior inconsistent with the culture. Because there's a fundamental culture law. If you permit it, you promote it. Yeah. And behavior comes from one of two places, by the way. Behavior is either taught or allowed. And I'll say this about customer experience. And I've seen this. Again, I I, I like being where I am in my career because I've seen so much. I mean, I, I love being my age. I love having done this for, you know, three and a half, almost four decades. I've noticed this. The way you treat each other inside the business always finds its way to customer, meaning that you will never treat your customers any better than the way you treat each other. Customer service, customer experience starts with the experience we give to each other inside the organization. And I can't tell you how many companies that I have worked with and consulted over the years who call for you know, exceptional customer service, and then I watch the way they treat each other. Pretty good chance that that frustration and interpersonal conflict that's unresolved inside the team is going to find its way to the attitude and behavior of frontline people who are seeking to
1: who claim to be seeking to give the customer a great experience. You're 100% right. Happy employees equal happy customers. No question. And- yeah. And what you touched on, you mentioned customer service a couple of times. The things that I see in customer service is they are by far the most expensive resource are the people inside that customer service department. But the, they, from my perspective, are the least invested resource in customer service are the people. So mm-hmm. how can companies change that mindset?
0: Well, this is why, you know, in my my passionate desire to serve our client base with Again, develop leaders, strengthen culture, and then empower equip and empower people with necessary skills. I've noticed the same thing, and that is that people tend to be underdeveloped. And, and if, if behavior comes from what is taught and what is allowed, then if you want exceptional behavior, if you want exceptional treatment of customers inside the customer service department, you better train them. You better give them skills. And here's an interesting thing, too. Distinguish between job skills and behavior skills because job skills are technical and task specific, and you gotta have them. I mean, of course, job skills are important. You know, In my job, in my role as CEO of our company, there's a lot of technical stuff I need to know. But what, what I've noticed is, is that, that job skills rise no higher than behavior skills. And behavior skills are things like self-awareness, emotional management, empathy, listening, communication, collaboration, resilience, decision-making, problem-solving, What's a horrible term, by the way, is soft skills. Hmm. That's, I don't like that. They're, I think the soft skills are the hard ones. And I've noticed this. How about this, Nick? Companies hire for job skills, and they fire for behavior skills. And they, tra- they tend to train the most in job skills, but what causes all the problems is behavior skills. And customer service is behavior skill heavy. I mean, it requires robust, mature behavior skills. Man, you better have empathy. You better have communication. You better have listening. You better have self-awareness. You better have that emotional intelligence radar if you're going to be great at customer service. You better have problem-solving skills. I mean, those are the competencies that make a difference in customer service. And they're learned. No one's born with those. No one. Those are the skills that we most need to be trained in. And And may I also add this, America as a nation is not doing very good at training in those skills. And if you're going to have a customer service department, you'd better train your people in a battery, a portfolio, a library of behavior skills that give that customer a fantastic experience. Train them. You've got to give them those competencies.
1: Well, I would 100% agree with that too, because behavioral skills don't just translate to customer service because when they go up into the organization, as they continue to grow with those behavioral skills and they learn they are improving the entire organization across the the way because not only are they understanding the customer's perspective they understand where their pain points are they understand then they can lean into marketing and sales and operations and and others but if you don't have the behavioral skills up front inside customer service that customer is only going to give you one chance to screw up and if you screw up it's on you and it's on the organization so i would highly recommend what Tim just said is constantly drill your team and teach them the behavioral skills instead of just hiring for the job skills. Continue to communicate with them the importance of it. Have them listen back and the future co- or past conversations, not just of themselves, but of, of others, maybe even of leadership, and train them of the behavioral skills that need to be taught to get them to understand, articulate, communicate, have empathy through that journey.
0: Yep. So the the system that we use for behavior skill development is something we call the R factor. And we become pretty well known around the country, in fact, around the world in certain places for R factor training. And it's based on this equation E plus R equals O, which stands for event plus response equals outcome. And it teaches something extremely straightforward about how life works. And it and it, one of the great applications of E plus R equals O is customer service, because it teaches events happen, you don't control events, you do control how you choose to respond, and your response is what produces the outcome. So E's happen, events, you choose your R, your response, and that's your response that produces the outcome. And customer service is the art and the discipline of responding to customer events in a way that produces a great outcome For the customer. And what I've done over the years is I've studied how high performers manage the R factor differently than average performers. And it's all behavior skill. It's it's all about the the, the way you think, it's about the way you empathize, it's the way you see the situation, it's the mindset that you bring, it's the belief system that you bring, it's emotional intelligence. So we've studied and documented and put into a, a deliverable, a training module, training approach how to develop the way people respond. The really cool thing, Nick, about R-Factor training is that over the years, every client that puts their people through R-Factor training discovers that one of the first things people do is they take the E plus R equals O training home and they share it with their families. Because E plus R equals O is not just a business or customer service thing. E plus R equals O is how life works. You, You experience events when you drive your car and how you respond makes a difference. You experience events when you travel, if those who are back traveling again, and your response makes a difference. You experience events in your interaction with your spouse or your significant other or your children, whoever you happen to live with. And the way you respond to them creates uh, an outcome. So the the, the ERO is a simple and powerful system for providing people, equipping people with behavior skills that make a difference. And uh, our... The impact of it we've seen is just enormous inside organizations and it's a a powerful tool. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes.
1: Tim, I've, I've... I've known of this equation for for many years now, and I love it. And I've shared it with absolutely everybody. So anybody that knows me outside the podcast know that I I continue to lean into this equation, and I'm all in. And I think it's so important because it comes down to how I react to the event that's coming at me. And respond, respond. Um, If I I might, if if I might, if
0: I might coach a little bit here. Because to, to us, a reaction is emotion-driven and impulsive, whereas a response is intentional and thoughtful and discipline-driven. J- just a little just a little footnote in the way we like to, to teach it, if I might.
1: No, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I 100% agree with that. It's You have to ac- actually acknowledge the situation, understand the situation, and then find a way to respond to the situation. If you don't actually go through that process, you can't.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because the first R factor discipline is press pause. There's six R-factor disciplines. The first is press pause to establish clarity, to get clarity, and using the ERO system. So what we teach people is press pause and ask yourself three questions. What event do I have? What outcome do I want? What response do I need? And we get into trouble, Nick, because we tend to act too quickly on the basis of impulse and old habits. And what we need to do is train ourselves in this discipline of pressing pause and using this simple system, this three-part system, ERO, to clarify the event, the E, then clarify the outcome, the O, and don't choose the R until you're clear about the E and the O. Because impulse and, and old habit doesn't think. It's not concerned with understanding the situation. It just wants to react. It doesn't think about consequences. It doesn't think about outcomes. It's just it's, its just reactionary. Whereas if you take the ERO system, press pause, and ask those three questions, now you're in a great spot to say, okay, all right. This E is happening. How come I want? Now here's the, I call it the necessary R. And and little footnote on that, sometimes the necessary R is uncomfortable and something we're not very good at. And we tell people in our training and our coaching is, yeah, some of the most important things in life are difficult. Greatness is hard. It is. But be great. Ch- choose, embrace productive discomfort and say yes to the difficult things. That press pause and gaining clarity, unbelievable uh, value uh, for people. And I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I use it all the time. I use it daily. Multiple. I, I wear a wristband that says ERO on it to remind myself, despite being the author of it, I, I, I need to a constant reminder. It's very powerful.
1: Yeah. I love it, and I think it's it, the more that you understand it, the more the easier that you can use it. And just like anything in ath- athletics, it takes practice. You have to continue to find ways to to use it, and it's going to be uncomfortable at first. Yeah, uh, just like jumping over the hurdles at the very beginning. Yeah. That was not fun when you were in middle school trying to find a way to get over those big old hurdles. It's true. and it'd be easier to get under them, but that's not a way through life.
0: Well, this the ERO bracelet I have on now is the Jacksonville Jaguars colors. Cause I was just with the Jags last week. Urban had me come in and teach E plus R equals O to the team. And it's the it's the key to success in life, period. Whether it's NFL football or it's being a husband or a dad. It just, it's just again, it's life. Events happen, we choose responses, and our, our responses produce outcomes. And I love, by the way, I love the fact that it's only three parts. You know, it's it's not super complex. I don't think it's easy, but it sure it sure is clear, and and it's not terribly complex. And so I just you know I've just found great value in it, and I love teaching it, and it's had a tremendous impact on lots of organizations. And it to our topic, Nick, it directly applies to customer service. Again, because every you when know, when a customer has an has an experience, they're bringing it to the customer service department, or they're bringing it to somebody inside the organization and saying, hey. You know, here, here's my situation. Here's my E that I'm getting. How can you help me? And that's all about how does that person inside the business, inside the organization, respond to that customer situation? And the more there's ERO discipline, it's a powerful thing. Uh, you know, another thought that I had based on our conversation that we had before in prep for this, think about this for a second. Most of the events in customer service are predictable. Not all, but most. You can map them. And we do this training. We, when, when we do ERO training, we tell people, map and be prepared for predictable events because most of the events that you get in your job and in your life are predictable. Again, not all, but a lot. And you shouldn't be surprised when a predictable event happens, you should be prepared. And I can't think of a place that applies more than a customer service. Yeah, there's there, like, yeah, we've seen that E before. Customers, that's something that happens to our customers. And you shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be caught you know, emotionally unprepared. You should be strategic and say, again, yeah, yes, thank you for sharing that. I know that happened. Oh, and that must be, that must be uncomfortable if it's something bad. And then you know what to do because you've been trained. I, I, if, I, if I could snap my fingers, I would, I would install ERO at every customer service department in the world.
1: I would do the same. I also have a ton of value in that every day and what you mentioned on the jacksonville jaguars we all we are all part of a team regardless yes. of if we're in athletics or not and if you are next to a six seven 350 pound guy or you're next to the your customer service rep next to you on the left you have to find a way to build that core and build that team as a whole holistically not mm-hmm. it starts with you mm-hmm. and then it goes out and it doesn't matter what you said. It, uh, leaders are not leaders because they're at the top. Leaders are leaders because of what they've done and how they prep themselves to be successful for the day.
0: Yeah, we say leadership is not authority based on a position you have. It's influence based on trust you've earned. It's not a title. Yeah, it's not a position. Uh, one of the things I love to to teach is that your company can put you in a position of authority, but only you can put yourself in a position of leadership. It's a mindset. And I, I'll tell you what, what I personally do, and 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 I when I teach our leadership module, it's what I encourage leaders to to adopt this mindset. Here's what I say to myself every day: Today I get to lead with purpose, serve people, solve problems, and bring energy. Man, what a blessing! Not I have to, I get to lead with purpose, serve people, solve problems, and bring energy. And I gotta honestly say, Nick, having been in this business as long as I have and owning and running my own company. I cannot imagine, and I don't frankly want to be around leaders who don't think that way. Is it what a, else? Mindset? It's exact, it's a mindset? It's exactly, it's a it's, mindset. Literally, it's a mindset. And, and, and I, I will jokingly say to people, you know, when you drive your car and you drive up to the facility, you drive up to the office, you drive up to the job site, you drive up to the school or whatever you happen to work, before you get out of the car, say to yourself, today I get to. Leave a purpose, serve people, solve problems, bring energy. And if you can't say that, don't get out of the car until you do say it. I deeply believe in in, in, in mental training, sometimes you have to speak your emotions into existence because you don't always feel like that's a blessing. You don't always feel like doing those four things. But how you feel isn't the issue. What you think and how you talk to yourself and the mindset that you feed is what matters. A little footnote here in terms of mental training, emotions respond to visual and verbal input. Emotions respond to visual and verbal input. So if you drive up in your car and you park in the parking lot about to get out of your car and go into your job and you're a supervisor, manager, leader, and you don't have specific verbiage to visualize and verbalize yourself into a mindset that wins from a leadership perspective, you're making a mistake. Yeah, the
1: perception, too, in customer service is around, oh, man, I got to take this call again. Yeah, I took 180 calls today. And nobody responded or everybody that I talked to was frustrated. Okay, well, you get the opportunity to solve their problem and yes. hear them out and create a better experience for them. And it's that's the mindset that you come to. You're going to have a better outcome for that customer. And if you're not, you're going to say, man, this is another frustrating person. I can't wait for this person to to get mad at me again. It's a different mindset. I just thought of this. So
0: imagine you run a customer service department. And there's, you know, call center, right? 50 of us. And you're our boss. And every morning, you teach us to say to ourselves, today I get to work with purpose, serve people, solve problems, and bring energy. Man, I love my job. And we all 50 of us say that every single morning. Today I get to work with purpose, serve people, solve problems, and bring energy. Man, we
1: love what we do. And how would that be different How would, what would the impact be to the customer if you just changed your mindset? I love that, man. Um, So I wrap up every every podcast episode with two questions, Tim. The first one is, what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And the second one is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals and you could hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 AM, what would it say?
0: Mm. Well, I read four or five books a month, a lot. But recently, I have been reading C.S. Lewis, and I just, I mean, I've read him many, many times, but I you know, just, you know, I go back some of the classics and 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 revisit again, and so I was reading The Abolition of Man here the last, I'm read it, reading, it, reading it slowly, and just wonderful, and I don't know if you know this or not, C.S. Lewis and Winston Churchill were the two most influential leaders in Great Britain during World War 2 during the the the, the war and the bombings that were coming from across the the channel from the Nazis. And, and the great spiritual leader of England was CS Lewis. And the great political leader was Winston Churchill. And that was, I was just studying all that. And then I got reading some more of of, of Lewis's stuff and just powerful, powerful things. So been reading Lewis. And I think if I could put something in front of customer service folks, how, how did you phrase the question again?
1: Yeah. If you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8. A.M. Doesn't matter how small or how big it would be. What would it say?
0: So when I, I I'd, I'd say two things at the top, it would say e plus r equals o, and then underneath it, it would say today I get to work with purpose, serve people, solve problems, bring
1: energy. Man, I love my job. That's what it'd say. I love that full circle. So Tim, what's the best way for my listeners to to find you, to get your content, to sign up for your newsletter, to find your podcast? Like where where do people get a hold of you? Sure. So our website
0: is focus3.com and it's the number three, the numeral three. So focus3.com is our website. That's pretty much the place to go. Now I am on Twitter at Timothy Kite, K-I-G-H-T, and also on LinkedIn and I post, and it's Timothy Kite again, K-I-G-H-T on LinkedIn. I post every day something like this. Is my, 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 my purpose in social media is to provide... Um, you know, regular uh, encouragement, uh, insights, uh, motivation for folks. And we do have a podcast called Focus Three Podcast. And Urban Meyer had been my co-host, but he left me to go take that job down in Jacksonville. And we're- Yeah, I know, I know. We actually have have, uh, recorded four brand new podcasts, all on culture, by the way, which we haven't yet posted and published, but we're gonna get back to that on a regular basis. And we're about to launch a new newsletter as well. That's going to come out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which is pretty exciting. And Monday will be a video, a short video. And then Wednesday and Friday will be uh, brief written. It'll be be direct to email. But that website has all that information on it. So, focusfree.com and at Timothy Kite on Twitter and LinkedIn.
1: Good stuff. I highly recommend his his podcast. And uh, I've been all over it. I I go back and listen, As, as he does recommend. Take that time and digest it multiple times. There's some deep value in those things, a ton of nuggets, and I highly recommend it. And I'm also signed up for for his newsletter too. So get up and and get signed up and and choose E plus R equals O today. Mm. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate your time. All right, Nick. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.